You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, broadcast live to air on Edge Radio 99.3 FM and proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. The Dice Men Cometh! Well, hello there, lovers and listeners. It is the eve before Valentine's Day on The Dice Men Cometh. It is episode 296 Believe it or not, it is just Mark and just Garth tonight. That's right. Because Leon is out there in chocolate land getting all those lovely love hearts ready for you to give to your significant other. (laughs) Oh, yes. Or if you're alone, to just sit quietly and eat in your dark corner. Now, Mark, it's also the day after a birthday. It is. And we've never started a show with a sing-song, so happy but no yeah let's, let's give that a miss but thank you for the thought yes there you go I, again proving another... that numbers go much higher than you would even <laughs> believe that they can possibly go you wouldn't have thought i could have got any older but here i am now speaking of tragedy <laughs> a month or so ago i was fighting fires in my parents uh town of lake Conjola. A couple of days ago, the heavens opened and just didn't stop, and now their house a couple of days ago, their ground floor was flooded. Oh, no. So, um, yeah, it's been exciting. Uh, thankfully, they have insurance and they're covered, so any yeah. damage will be, be done. But on that note, there was a, a, a bit of an announcement today made by Q Workshop. Oh, Q uh, Workshop? Yeah. They so make those fancy dice. They sure do. And um, what they have just released is a limited edition of thir- 300 sets of, you know, your standard seven sets of dice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called the Australian Wildlife Set, and on every die is an iconic Australian animal. Yes. They are limited edition to 300, but what makes them really, really cool is that you pay some money for them and then they'll also donate money to plant trees with the money that you have spent. So you, in essence, get the die for a donation and you have three options of donations, starting at about 30 bucks Australian for a set of seven, plus your postage and shipping, and then going up to about double that, depending on how generous and how many trees you want to plant. But they look really cool. Yeah, they... they oh, you know, it's going to say, yeah, they've got that... They're yellow, and they've got that yellow road sign look. Yeah, and when I first looked at them, I thought, are they metal? Because <laughs> they look like they're metal. And if oh. they're metal, I'm so in. But they're plastic. But... It's for a great cause. Q Workshop, you've got some of their dice. You've bought yeah, them at PAX, didn't that's you? that's right. They always come to PAX. They're from Poland, yeah. but they always come to PAX. I know they have a bit of a connection with uh, the Campaign Coins people, yeah, Mark, Mark Morrison. He He's talked them up. And, look, I have always been very happy with my Q Workshop dice. There you go. So if you want to support a good cause, planting trees, Australia just lost... Lots of them. Mm. Supporting Australian wildlife. Australia just lost a lot of that, unfortunately. Um, Jump onto the Q Workshop site and just search for Australian wildlife. You'll see the sets there. It's all in uh, US dollars. And if you want to go for it, go for it. And look, Garth, at least, you know, I know a lot of people have been flooded, but at least it seems like that most of the remaining fires were put out by that rain, even though there was probably a bit of extra rain that we didn't really need. So we're not... We're not, for anyone outside Australia, we're not burning down anymore. No. Some people are flooded, unfortunately, but I'm sure we'll get through it. Oh, we love a sunburnt country, don't mm. we? So, look, you're with the Dice Men Cometh. This is episode 296. We have to, obviously, 
Say thanks to LFG Australia for their ongoing support. It is getting closer and closer to LFG Sydney, which will only be a few short months away in Sydney. But if you do want to get your hands on some delicious board gaming goodness, go to lfg aus.com.au and they'll be more than happy to help you out. Just tell them Garth, Mark or Leon sent you. And now, Garth, what, apart from talking about bushfires and floods and dice and and lfg-oz.com.au... What are we going to uh, be doing on the show tonight? We are going to go back in time to a magnificent era in Italian history. And, Mark, you get to play a noble. Oh, yeah. I get to play a noble. Yeah. And a couple of other people. Yeah, a couple of other people got to play nobles. We're going to talk about Lorenzo il Magnifico before you then rattle on about more ways we can spend (laughs) our money, including a game that is breaking my heart. Yeah. Because I want it and then I... Don't want it when I see the price. Yep. There might actually be a couple in that category. So, look, anyway, you're with the Dice Men Cometh. That's Edge Radio 99.3 FM, and we'll be back after this song. Hey, Garth. Yeah? It's your roll. All right, get ready. Oh, oh Garth. Hang on. They're all on the floor, man. For God's sake, my cats are going to eat them. Ah. Oh, you okay, Garth? Oh, roll the one, two. <laughs> You know that feeling when you're rolling dice on hard tables and they're just bouncing everywhere? Wouldn't it be great to have a game mat, firstly, to stop your dice from bouncing off the table, but secondly, just to look cool? Absolutely. I haven't looked cool ever. (laughs) Well then, Garth, you know what you can do on Monday, February the 24th? What, Leon? You can go over to Kickstarter and get your hands on a neoprene playmat by Hyper Viper Games. Hyper Viper Games, you say? You mean that Australian game mat company producing high-quality 3mm neoprene stitched edge game mats? Yeah, that one, Garth. And not only that, they've got 300 DPI high-res images. Most of the mats on the market have only got 200 DPI. That's a lot of extra DPI, if you ask me. What's DPI? (laughs) Look, it's great to have some mat options here in Australia. Personally, I, Mark, am going to back one of these myself. But what more do we need to know about these, Garth? Well, basically, apart from it starting on the 24th on Kickstarter, they also are going to be running a giveaway competition on their Facebook page. Woo, we love competitions. So jump onto their Facebook page, which is just facebook.com slash hyperviperGames. And that's Viper with a Y. Oh, because they're cool like that. Like their page. And then you can possibly win a t-shirt or maybe even a playmat, but I can guarantee that you get a chance to get a playmat if you back them on the 24th of February on Kickstarter. Well, not only do mats let you roll your dice without them bouncing everywhere, not only do they look cool, they're much easier to help you pick up cards, they protect your game, they just create a whole gaming experience. Who would get a Hyper Viper game mat? Exactly. I'm going in, here we go. 20! Isn't that much better, rolling dice on a Hyper Viper game mat? They're definitely guaranteed to make your dice not cocked. Anti-cock technology. (laughs) So many sizes to fit every table. You're talking about the game mat still? (laughs) Yes. So that's Hyper Viper game mats on Kickstarter. Check them out from February 24. On Edge Radio 99.3 FM, and you are with the Dice Men Cometh, proudly sponsored by LFG Australia, hosts of LFG, 
Looking for gamers, that is the amazing uh, conference, conference con convention that is held in Sydney. Have you not taken your medicine today, Mark? What medicine, Gar? Your speak medicine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's coming up in July. Mm-hmm. And, of course, all three Dice Men, that is you, myself and Leon, will all be there this year. Yeah. And we've even got maybe a little surprise we're going to do there, but we'll, we'll talk more about that later. Mm. And, of course, they also do LFGS and Unplugged, where we went to and didn't play this game we're about to talk about. No, we didn't. Because that was CanCon. It was. So, yes, the game we are talking about is a game that you get when you mix the designers of Coimbra... Is it Agizia, Grand Austria Hotel, Zolkin, Marco Polo 1 or 2 and 2, Newton and Barrage. Oh, my goodness. And you put that in a blender and you tip it out and out spills Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Because mm. it's got three designers listed. It's got Flaminia Brasini, Virginio Giglio. Gili. Giglio. Yeah. Uh, and then also Simone Luciani. Uh, and between them, quite a lot of games have yeah. been designed. And you look at this box and you go, it's a dude staring out into the distance <laughs> Again. in ye olde worldy, or in this case, Italian Renaissance uh, clothes, and you go, why? Why do I need to play yet another game that has a lot of brown in it and it's another dude staring out into the distance wearing old clothes? Now, look, I have to give it, the, the box does look very nice. It does sort of have a like a gilded gold, flashy, fancy look with the sort of the generic swirly d- design <laughs> with a dude's head in the middle. But, you know, this this game has been around a while. Yeah, it was 2016 that it was mm. first uh, published and there has been a, a second edition released with, uh, with a couple of Kickstarter exclusives and some expansions as well. So this game is a combination of a few mechanics that we know and love. We've got dice rolling. Oh, yeah, we love we've some dice. We've got some worker placement. We've got tableau building. We've got some card play in there. We've got stuffing over marks, so that's really good. <laughs> and it's just a race to victory points. You will be racing to get victory points using your family members to do so. You've got areas that you'll be able to go and money that you have to spend. Now, the board itself, yeah, it looks okay. I, I compare it. When I saw a designer of Newton and I went, ugh. Yeah. Newton is incredibly brown in all facets of the game. Every card, every token, the board is brown. And even the colours that are there are, are muted to blend in nicely with the brown. Correct. Whereas this one has different pops of colour, yep. uh, specifically because you're going to be getting a whole bunch of different coloured cards. You've got yellow and green and blue and purple from yep. memory. And there's colour that will reflect that on the board as well, which is really nice. You've got wooded areas, which is nice poppy green, and it looks interesting when you sit down. Not overly complicated, which is great, but what I like about this game is the use of the dice in this situation. Now, Garth, before you go on any more... Who is this dude staring out at us on the box with, whose name is Lorenzo? Well, Lorenzo was um, one of the Medici family. He was oh, known yeah. as Lorenzo the Magnificent, yes. which is Lorenzo il Magnifico, uh, for those of you who speak Italian. Um, he was one of the most powerful and important figures in the Italian Renaissance. Yeah. He was very, very wealthy. 
as was all of the Medici clan. Yeah. Uh, basically, you're going to be taking the role of a noble family within that time period, and you want to basically become them. You want to become rich and famous yeah. as well. Yeah, and like basically you're, you're, you're gathering all the other dudes because they're mostly dudes. I think there's, there's some ladies... Although most of them are nuns, but there's some other ladies. So you're gathering the ladies and dudes to help you do stuff. Correct. And what you're going to be doing is you're going to be using your individual little tableau, which will start very boring. It'll start very empty Mm. and it'll start with a lot of stuff that you can't do. What you will be doing, though, is spending a lot of time on the main board and it's going to start by having some dice roll. Not a huge amount, just three. Just three dice roll, that's all. You're going to have some dice. The first player's going to roll them. And that's super important because that one roll of the dice will determine the strength of each of your workers for everyone around the table for that whole turn. So if I roll three ones, having three family members at a strength one, that's pretty garbage. And I must admit I did come pretty close to rolling that when I was first player. (laughs) Yes. So the way Bart, Bart Garth, the the thing that's different about this game is that garbage roll affects everyone yes. the same way. Because normally in these sort of games, you've got your own dice, you're rolling them yourself, you roll crap, you go, bugger, mm. and you look over at your compatriot there who had really good rolls, and you go, ah, oh, double bugger. That's right. Whereas this way, everyone's affected equally. And um, that also means... It will direct, you know, which part of that board you are, you're going to fight over Correct. because the, the dice number determines who you can recruit. Exactly. So everyone has three family members that they're going to be using as pawns and they're going to be going around. And as we say, their strength is determined by the one die roll that this, um, this first player is going to make. And then you've got, I don't know, a cousin once removed <laughs> or a niece or a yeah. nephew or a step something or other. Now, unlike the other family members who are valued equal to the die you've rolled, the value of this person yeah. is zero. Yeah, he's like the black the black sheep of the family. Yeah. You can send him out to do jobs, but you know he's going to do a bad job, so, so basically you're going to send him out to do the not-so-important jobs. Correct, and then at the end of the day you feed him with fish heads or something. <laughs> That's right. And you go, why would you have a, a, a person value zero? But we'll get to that anyway. So once the dice are rolled, you've then got to start and figure out what you want to do. Now, there's going to be areas that you can go to. There's the village. And the village is easy because all you do is you put a family on there, uh, on one of the spots, and you get five gold. Useful. Money's going to become very, very important. Yeah. Or you could get some assistance. They're going to become very important to you very quickly in the game too. Yes. Or you can get a bit of military power. It's going to be important Mm. too because the more military power you have, the more cards you'll be able to play. Yeah. That kind of is important. Um, You could also just get a couple of blessings move yourself up the track of the church. And that's really important yeah, too. that's right. It, and I guess thematically, in the time, you know, the the, the papacy mm-hmm. in these Florentine times with these families of Florence and Venice and all these sort of places, obviously the, the papacy, the church was really, really important. And that comes through in this game with this church track. Which Does is it ever? difficult to get to build a favour with the church. Yeah. And you, basically, if you don't, it sucks. It really does. So, look, let's get rid of that really quickly. The the game is played out over six rounds. 
And the way the church track works is that on at the end of the second, fourth and sixth round, mm. if you as a player haven't reached a certain level of favour with the church, there is going to be a permanent and never-ceasing penalty that yep. you will have. There are some random um, tiles that at the start of the game you'll shuffle around and there'll be a one for the first phase, second phase and third phase. So you're not going to know what the bad thing yeah. is until you've possibly triggered it. And it could be that you're not going to get as much money when you go and get some gold or you're not going to get as many assistance when you go and get assistance or stuff's going to cost you more money. It's all really bad. Mm. And once you've made that choice to disregard the church, you're excommunicated and there ain't no way of coming back from that particular penalty. Mm. You might be able to make it up at the end of the fourth and end of the sixth round and get to the certain point on the on the faith track, but you're still going to have this level of excommunication hanging over your head for yeah. the whole game. In the one game that we played, no one really did that until right at the end. Um, and that's a decision that the players all make for themselves. But it is, it is a very conscious decision you have to make yes. that... I would say of the, you know, depending on, on how your turn goes, of the three, four, five things you do, I would say for most of us, at least two of those were to gain favour with the church. So that's a lot of your action built up. And, yes, you do get some victory points from that tr uh, track in the endgame scoring. But, yeah, it is it is a lot of a lot of effort. And it does it, it helps, I think, to bring things together and not, have people go off on strange tangents too early in the game. Exactly right. And very early in the game, I did spend two or three of my actions to get to that mm. point. And you just go, what could I have done with those other actions? Yeah. But that's how it is. So, look, that's your village spot. Yeah. You go there and you do some things. Easy peasy. Then you go onto the towers, of which there are four. And at the start of every round, the towers are going to be seeded with the various cards, your yellows, your blues, your greens and your purples. Mm. Now, your green cards are resources usually. You'll go to the, the green tower. If you're the first person there, you go on any of the spots as long as your worker has enough die picks yeah. to be able to go there because it starts off very low. I think you just have to have a strength one. Is it one, three, five, seven? Yeah, and then you have to have a die face of seven to get the very top card. Hang on, hang on. We're rolling D6s, yeah, Mark. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, um, you might need to explain that because... How do you roll the seven? Well, the way you roll a seven is you roll a six, first of all, yep. or a five or a four or a three or a two and a one, and you spend assistance. So your assistance are these little purple meeples, and in a lot of games purple means wild, but basically what they do is allow you to increase the die result by one per meeple. So you roll a six, you go to this space, you exhaust a, um, an assistant by throwing them away, and you've now got a seven-faced D6, and you can buy the card. Which is very cool, and... To me, I think that was the first thing that jumped out to me about this game is normally, you know, normally in games with dice, you can get stuff, things, tokens that will let you change the value of the dice. And in a lot of games, that's just nice to have. Yeah. But you don't put a huge amount of effort into it. Whereas in this game, those assistants are critical because firstly, well, you can't get to that top row without any without at least one assistant. But then if someone has a crap roll, sometimes you can't get to the second row or even the third row That's without right. assistance. And then, of course, you've got Uncle Festa, the zero-value pawn, which if you want him to be able to do pretty much anything... No, anything, full stop. That's right. You need to send an assistant with him and hold to hold his hand, yeah. and then he's at least worth one. 
and often you want to send more than one assistant. So the assistants are, look, I guess you could play without them, but it would really, really limit your options. So they're critical. Yeah. They're critical in this game. So that's right. So you'll go to the towers and all the cards, as I say, the green ones are going to be your production ones and they'll get you stuff. They'll get you wood, they'll get you stone, they might get you some gold, they might occasionally get you some faith mm. and some coins. But that's where the engine building side of this game comes in. Yeah. Now, I want to hit your thoughts about the level of engine building in this yeah. particular game. But the way you'll do it is you buy a green card, you'll stick it in your tableau and that's, that's all happy days. Then you might want to do the same thing with the gold cards because they're sort of more industrial buildings, I guess. You know, again, you're getting more stuff, but you might be turning stuff into gold or turning stuff into victory points. I'm turning three of my stone into $2 or I'm turning some of my wood into some victory points. Yeah, or two coins into a favour with the church or something. You're, You're turning something into something else. Correct. So you're going to be building these things and this is where your engine starts. Now, just quickly... There are also blue cards that will give you bonuses and benefits. Think of those as the dumplings in Sushi Go (laughs) because they are going to be worth more victory points the more of them you have as a set. And they will offer you benefits, sometimes immediate benefits and sometimes ongoing benefits. One of the major benefits of a, a, a bunch of these cards is that they will offer you permanent die modifiers. So I might get a blue card and its benefit is... Whenever I buy a green card, my die that I'm using is too stronger. Yes. And that's super-duper powerful. Then you've got the purple cards, and they are almost exclusively end-of-game victory yep. points. They might offer, again, an immediate benefit, and usually the benefit might be some military power up the track or it might be some faith, but it's almost always that's where you're going to score a lot yeah. of your points in the, at the end of the game. So I want to really focus more on the green cards and the yellow cards because they are impacting play and making part of your decision-making process that more tricky, whereas the blue and the purple cards are sort of the, almost a one-and-done benefit that's, that's sort of going to pay off at the end of the game. Yeah, and I think from memory, of when these cards come out, obviously there's quite a, a, an amount of randomness, mm. but I think also they were sort of shuffled into like, First round, like the first two rounds, the second two rounds, and the third. Two yeah, rounds. there are. There's sort of there's a stack of ones, twos, and threes. Yeah, so they the sort of power up. The yeah, they do, so they, they power up. Yeah, and all of those cards almost all will have a cost, whether it be resources, uh, and they're primarily the the wood or the stone mm-hmm. or money. But some of those cards you've got to have reached certain criteria. You might have to be a certain level on the military track yeah. to be able to afford something. And the cost is we're going to cut your military track score in half. Now, that's super important because the military track is what dictates the number of cards that you can have in your tableau. Yeah, your green cards. And you want to keep your green cards, and if you go below that, problems. Yeah, and it also then has it has some end-game scoring as well if you're sure for people does. who are further up on the military track. And there is all these little interconnectedness with the cards and the tracks, yes. which is part of, I think, of the beauty of this design and how it all comes together really Correct. nicely. So then we get to two other spaces, which is essentially the I'm going to kickstart my engine. Mm. You've got one for your green cards and one for the yellow cards. Now, in a four-player game, there's one spot where you can go and trigger an engine to its maximum ability without assistance. You go there, you put your worker down, and whatever worker strength is from one through to six on on your die roll, that's the strength that you're going to get. Now, you might need to still spend some assistance to boost that score if the die roll was particularly garbage. But if you're not the very first player to go in that spot and say, I'm going to start my engine, 
everyone else who decides to do that has to go to the next spot and that turns your die face and lowers it by three. That's so tough. Now, why would you say that's tough? Well, it's because every yellow card and every green card has a die face listed on it and you have to have that number or higher for that particular card to activate when you run your engine. Yeah. So say I've got three gold cards, I might have, three yellow cards, sorry, I might have one that triggers on a four, one that triggers on a six, one that's on a two and one that's on a three. Now, if I'm lucky enough to be able to play a six and make it work, everything is going to run mm. from left to right. So I'll look at it, I'll get some immediate benefits from my tableau, but then the card will say, okay, produce five stone, convert it into you know, gold, get some faith with the church, da-da-da-da-da, and all of that works. But sometimes on a crap roll, or if you're out of assistance, you still need to run the engine because yes. it is always going to be beneficial, but not at its optimal level. And that's really, really intriguing. Yeah, I it, it, it took a second or a round to really understand how does that work, and particularly where you've got basically two different engines you're running. As I said, one is almost like your income engine, except it's not regular income no. unless you run your engine, and that costs you an action. Mm. And then you've got the dilemma of, well, do I use my high dice to run my engine because then I'm going to make sure I everything triggers, but then that's a high dice I don't have to get one of those good cards or do I spend a whole bunch of assistance or do I spend a whole turn just getting assistance so that I can turn my one into a six and run my engine and then it's decisions around well when I'm recruiting these green cards that are going to go into my engine well I really want that one but it's got a six on there which means I'm going to have to have a six to trigger whereas in the game we played I managed I think to have nothing above a three so it means I think almost every time when I triggered my engine, I was able to trigger everything. And that was huge. It meant, you know, that I was having 10, 12, 15 rocks and heaps of wood. And then, of course, you use those to get cards. It was In terms of an engine builder, I found it absolutely fascinating. And I think for me, that puzzle combined with there are all these cards, they cost different things, I can only get certain ones, and... What you didn't mention, Garth, was if you go second to the tower... Or you, anything except first. Yeah, you have to pay extra money. As the game goes on, those cards seem to become more and more expensive and quite often have money involved in the cost. So I remember getting to the stage where I was like, I'm going to have to pay 15 coins just to get the card that I want because I've got to pay... Because someone else has already gone there, I've got to pay what's on the card. Then I've got to work out how I'm going to do it and... It's a, it is a fascinating puzzle. Yeah. And, look, I've got to admit, I had looked at this game so many times because well-respected people, and I'm talking people like Ella from Ella Loves Board Games and Tina from Behold The Board Games. Game Cruise oh, and Behold Cruise, Games, yeah. had both said, this is my absolute favourite game. They're not the only ones, or one of my absolute favourites. And I had looked at it. I had looked at that dude and he'd looked back <laughs> at me and I just sort of couldn't work it out, you know, what was the attraction. It's another one of these mid-length Euro games. And, you know, we talked talked about this in the past where because we're always looking to get new stuff to the table, not doesn't necessarily have to be brand new, but a game we haven't played before, we need to get it to the table. And we've got that dilemma of, well, if we've only got a short period of time, 
or a long period of time. We can get a heap of games or we can get maybe one long game. And there seems to be this sweet spot of, or for us it's a sour spot, of a game that's like two hours or less that for us then becomes a three-hour game. <laughs> and it's, so it's slightly too long for us to play in our regular gaming spots. And this, I think, was one of those games that didn't hit that sweet spot of time. And the dude just, you know, he didn't win me over. Old Lorenzo staring out at me. He didn't yeah. win me over. No, and that's fair enough. But it sings. Oh, it really does. does it ever. As you say, the first round, and, and look, we did learn it from Tina and she did an excellent job mm. of, of teaching it, so thank you very much for that. Um, you just go, I've got this. I've got this game. I understand what I have to do. How I'm going to do it, yeah. well, that's future Garth's problem. Yeah. <laughs> Current Garth's problem is how do I get that one card? Okay, well, to get that one card because it's got seven pips on it, I'm going to go down to the village. I'm going to get a couple of assistants because I can get those. I know I've got one red uh, die there that's a six, so I'm going to be able to use that one. But so is Mark because everyone's got a six yeah. that's red and he's already got assistance. So what if I do that action and then Mark just goes and takes that spot? Yeah. And because he'll be the first person in the tower, he doesn't have to pay $3. Where have my $3 gone? Oh, well, now I've got to go to the village again and hopefully get the $5 that I need mm. to have the $3 as backup. And I haven't even done anything yet. All I'm doing is trying to get this one lousy card that then I might try and figure out how to run the yeah. engine on down the track, but it's got a six on it, so I'm going to have to have another six down the track to be able to run it to its efficiency. Ah! And then, Garth, to top all of that off, and I'm not sure if this is a module maybe from an expansion. This is the, the hand of cards. Oh, the patrons. Gelt, dealt at the start. Is it a module? Yeah, it's a little it's a little extra that comes on. And, and yeah, each player is going to get four, four patrons. Yeah. And these will basically give you permanent bonuses for the rest of the game or a one-off big benefit yeah. once you achieve a certain something, which might be multiple things, actually. You've got to be certain far, uh, level up the military track, you've got to have three green cards, and you've got to have $4 on you, or whatever the case may be. It's some combination of things. Once you do it, you just play it, and you get a, a permanent benefit. And a permanent benefit might be, like Tina had, all the dice are now fives. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you, what someone rolled. For you, everything is just a five. Or one of the ones that I had where that, you know, you talked about Uncle Fester being worth value zero. Well, if you recruit, let's call him Cousin It, in, in one, as one of those patrons, and all of a sudden Cousin Festa is actually automatically a three, which is massive. Well, more than your uncle becoming your cousin. <laughs> How did Uncle Festa become your cousin? No, no, Festa? well, they, they, anyway. they, they work hand in hand. I know. But it's yeah, it, 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 was another, it was another fascinating little thing. And um, look, I was so impressed because Tina had said, look, you may work towards these. You may not be able to get them. If you're lucky, maybe you can get two of the four out. Yeah. yeah, no benefits for that. Although, <laughs> look, it must be said, you won. I did. Um, I won. Two points, two points till second, That's I think very it was. Close, yeah. So, look, we could rattle on about this, but from Mark and Garth, the only thing we can say is go out there and play it. And we hope that you have as much fun as we oh, do. Oh, yeah. Mark is, is really trying to look behind every lounge <laughs> and he's looking in every phone box to see if yeah. there's a couple of coins yeah. there because, oh, it's worth every dollar. Uh, you don't need the base game to have a great game. Yeah. The expansions add some things to it, which is interesting. Um, just those character cards are really nice and give you a bit of a direction if you want it. Um, but for there's me, enough going in this game. I was going to say, for me, I think what really wins me over is 
for my game weight, it has that beautiful um, mix of tactics where you can't decide what you're going to do until you see the cards that come out on that turn. But then strategy of, I really need to get a few more um, green cards because I need to get my income up to be able to get these cards out in my hand. And it, it's a beautiful blend of that strat strategy and tactics. You know, I'm not a big one for, I sit down at a game and I'm already thinking about, okay, this I've got to do this on my 10th turn and this on my 7th turn. And I'm gonna, I need to build this engine yeah. because there's new sets of cards coming out every one of the six rounds. Six rounds? Yeah. You... You can't make those decisions until you see the cards that come out and until you see what other people are doing as well. So you're always on your toes. You're always thinking. You're always looking, what is the best use of my move now and maybe the next move? You can't think too far ahead, and I love that in the game. Yes, I agree. So that's it. Diceman Cometh, highly recommend Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Go play it if you can. We will be back after this song. Thanks, LFG, as always. It's Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Oh, God. I don't know what to wear, Leon. What am I going to wear to this game night? Well, you know that cool stuff I was looking at the other day on the internet? All that cool gaming clothes? Oh, you mean the one that's got, like, the, the cherry um, dice and there's also the meeple skirt? Yeah, that's oh. cool stuff from Ludo Cherry, which you'll be able to get very soon. Ooh, and they've got pockets in the skirts. Yeah, they've got pockets. Did you know, listeners, Ludo Cherry is a new kind of geeky clothing designed to be subtle and stylish so you can wear them anywhere. Perfect for game night, the office, or anywhere in between. Really? Yeah, and, as was already mentioned... The skirts have pockets. They can fit up to 200 dice. I think anyone that wears a skirt would appreciate pockets. Am I right? Yeah. But that's not all. For the larger gentlemen, like us... What? Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Shirts go up to 4XL and skirts go up to size 24. And the great thing is the clothes are all ethically and sustainably manufactured and they're also made from 100% cotton for maximum comfort and breathability. Now, this campaign goes live from March the 2nd, but not only that, there's a giveaway, Leon. Hello. On the ludocherry.com website that's going to run until 4pm March the 1st, if you go to ludocherry.com forward slash cometh enter... You can win a Ludo Cherry garment of your choice. You've just got to sign up to the mailing list. Well, the good thing is everyone who enters will get a free Ludo Cherry enamel pin. But all you've got to do to get that is back at least one garment on the Kickstarter when it launches. If only I knew someone who would want some cool Ludo Cherry kit. I do, I do. Me too. Me three, please. So look, Ludo Cherry from Australia's own... Phoebe and Mark is going live on Kickstarter March 2. Gaming wear is not everywhere, but with the help of Ludo Cherry, it will be. So take a look at an amazing Kickstarter project. It's going live March 2. We are so excited for this one. And you can wear your geek on the outside. Woohoo! Skirts with pockets. Well, there you go. That was Betsy Blue with green beans and banana cake. Uh, surprisingly, she was a Tasmanian act. Yeah. With the dice men cometh here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Hey, Garth. Yes. You know what time it is? Oh, do I ever. It's 
time for me to rev up that Kickstarter car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, baby. That's it. I'm talking about Kickstarter. Woo! I'm just, just going to have this little bit of backing music because I just love it. Time to kickstart your heart, baby. Here we go. You are so with it, Mark. <laughs> Got some Aussie, uh, Aussie Kickstarters. Now, before I get into them, though, I will just mention a couple of things we talked about. So, firstly, uh, last week, we talked about Boomerang Australia. Yep. Oh, hang on. A bit loud, boys, there. That's going to turn off in a minute. I'll turn my microphone up a bit. Um, we talked about Boomerang Australia. Um, so, if you want to hear more about that, you can go back and listen to last week's episode 295. That launches tomorrow. Now, of course, when you're listening to this in a podcast form, tomorrow will be... Valentine's a few, Day. ...a few days ago. Um, but yeah, it does launch on the 14th, so that's Boomerang Australia. Check it out from Grail Games, a great little game that we spoke about last week. That's right. And then uh, also to catch us up, we talked about Rocketman, the brand new Martin Wallace title that had a 10-day Kickstarter campaign. Some people, when they heard us talking about it, it may have already been finished. Just want to let you know, it did raise £177,000 in their little 10-day campaign with almost... We're getting close to 4,000 backers, so congratulations to Martin and to Phalanx Games yeah. um, for that neat little deck builder that we talked about in episode 294. Exactly right. Yes, Martin. We're so uh, with the times. Yeah, we, we had a good chat with Martin about this at CamCon, so I'm glad it got up. Yeah. Now, um, there's a couple of Australian Kickstarters this week, Garth. Cool. Firstly, Woodlings, which is uh, from Liam Cantwell from Sydney. Haven't come across Liam before. Um, and I just stumbled across this game on going through Kickstarter last night. It's a sort of a mafia slash werewolf inspired card game uh, where all the characters are little woodland creatures or woodlings. Mm. And you get two characters, so your chance of being eliminated from the game is is decreased because hopefully if one gets uh, eliminated, you'll have one less. Um, all the woodlings are unique with special characters. It's a fun little card game. It's only 38 Australian, including shipping. Now, you know, how many times do we talk about so important if you're a little Kickstarter to set yourself a realistic goal? Yep. So it's after $10,000. Yeah. Uh, still got 15 days to go, but he's just about to hit $1,500. So it does need a bit of help. Yeah. It's not looking real promising, but look, you know, it has it has cute art and... My suspicion is that Liam is probably some form of graphic designer or artist and he's made a really nice-looking game. But, hey, it's an Australian Kickstarter. We want to support the Aussies. Go Aussies! Yeah, and, I mean, we're on a lot of the various Australian tabletop sort of... Yeah, designers, designers of groups and things. and things. And the name doesn't ring a bell and neither yeah. does the game. So, so anyway, look, curious. have a look at that. It's Woodlings. Um, a second Australian Kickstarter is Shot Glass Adventures number three. Whoa. Which, of course, means there have been Shot Glass Adventures one and Shot Glass Adventures two. Now, these are by the laid-back DM. <laughs> now, no, that's not Leon. That's a guy called Stephen Thompson from Sydney. Now, this is a book of 10 D&D 5th edition or other open source role-playing game uh, adventures. It includes monsters, locations, cities, NPCs. It's got over 100 pages of material. Uh, it starts, there's, as usual with RPGs, there's a whole bunch of different levels because you can get it at PDF, you can get it at soft cover. starts at $25 for the PDF. It's already over 200% funded. 
Still 11 days to go. And, of course, you can get Shock Glass Adventures 1 and 2 through drive through RPG. So clearly he's had a bit of success with this at the past, Stephen. So mm. that one, if you're into RPGs like Leon, there we go. Uh, it's worth checking out Shock Glass Adventures 3. And, look, it's, it's the week of... Strange random Kickstarters from Australia that we don't know the designers and we haven't heard of the games. I did actually see this one on uh, Facebook, but I think it was someone saying, does anyone know who's doing this? Yep. That is the game called Farts and Fairies. Mm, yes. Um, it's by a guy called Daniel Matthews from Adelaide. And again, it's got very gorgeous looking art. It looks to be very much a take that style card game. In your style of games like the one about the cats that blow up. It, it seems to have taken a lot of notice of that particular yep. ilk of game, also some form of unicorns that aren't quite on the level. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, and, you know, introduce those sort of jokes with farts. Well, farts of, are funny, Lots Mark. of fart jokes. Now, this one, it is approaching 80% funded, it is also a $10,000 goal, but it is... Look, it may get there. It's just under 8000 It's got 10 days left to go. Again, this one is 34 Australian. It does include free shipping. But a point of difference, for every one copy that gets sold, they will denote, uh, denote, donate a copy to a children's hospital. To a child in hospital. To either. a child in hospital. Yeah, which I think... Is awesome. Because farts are funny in Garth and laughter is the best medicine. I exactly. So, look, paying, whatever you say, 30-odd, 40-odd dollars yeah. for a game when you're really getting two games because you get one and a child in yeah. hospital gets one is actually a really great idea. Can't vouch for the quality of the game. It looks funny. Well, the other thing is I, I, kids would like it, I, I looked through here and... There were no details about which hospital or is it going to go to multiple hospitals. But, look, I'm guessing it's probably maybe a big hospital in Adelaide, seeing as that's where Dan Matthews is from. But, look, hats off to him, firstly, for giving card games about farts to kids in hospital because that's awesome. Yep. And, secondly, for having a crack at Kickstarter. Yeah, well, we should see if that one funds because it is close. Yeah. All so, right. Um, it's definitely got a good chance. Now, Garth, there are also these people we would determine as... Honorary Australians. Mm. Sometimes those honorary Australians also work with actual Australians. Correct. And this is a case, I think, of both. This is Kanban EV, mm. EV being short for electric vehicle, I believe. That's right. Um, and this is the Vital Lacerda game. Uh, Kanban has been around a while. I think it was one of his earlier games. But, of course, what do you do when you've got an older Vital Lacerda game with perhaps not so great graphic design and art. I can answer that one. Yeah. You send it to Western Australia mm -hmm. and you say, Ian, Mr O'Toole, mm -hmm. make this box pretty. And that's what he does. Oh, he makes some gorgeous-looking board games, that's for sure, Ian. And he's done his usual trick of taking a great game by Vital Lasorda that perhaps looked a little bit ordinary and made it into an even greater game by Vital Lasorda that looks amazing. I think... It could be one of my favourite board game box lids that Ian's done. Yeah. I just, I love the style. I love the look of it. Well, and, and they've, they've updated a few of the me mechanics, although I, as I understand, it's not a huge amount, but they've just updated a little bit. Obviously, they've brought it in with the times because it's about electric vehicles. Who doesn't love electric vehicles? Now, but Garth, surely you want to speak about a huge amount, though. 
don't you? A huge amount. Yeah. Yes, yes, that is the problem. Is This is a gorgeous-looking game, but the price tag, let's just face it, it's not gorgeous-looking for us Australians, which for a large part is us getting kicked in the butt by exchange rates. So, I mean, obviously it's not having not just happening to this game. It's happening to so many games. But, you know, if you're living in America, 99 bucks for this game and a bit of shipping. Yep. And, you know, apparently the retail price is going to be around 130 US, so that's a great bargain for a start. But when you take 99 US and then you add the shipping, which is a about 30 or 40 US, I yeah, think. Yeah, it sounds about right. Because, I... I mean, it's a hefty game. It is. But uh... that translates into pretty close to 200 Australian dollars. Yeah, it's mean and nasty. And look, I've got most of Vital's recent games. Mm-hmm. I haven't got Kanban and I want it. But yes, it's going to be 200 odd dollars when just, I include shipping. It's difficult. It's difficult. And it's also a game that I might play once every couple of years. Yeah. And then you've got these bloody extra buy-ins like turning wooden <laughs> cars into metal cars of because it's another 60 cars. US yeah. dollars. <sighs> I love you, Vital, and I love you, Ian, but can you send us a review copy maybe? Yeah, it's an absolutely gorgeous <laughs> game. I have played Kanban back in the day. It was tricky to get, get your head around it, but it... It is really fascinating. Only plays it, in ninety to one hundred and twenty minutes, according to Vital. Yeah, well, maybe maybe the, the streamlining is a, bit, is a bit more. Maybe the graphic design does help you play it because one of the great things about when a you know tool applies himself to a game is the board, to some respects, show, doesn't teach you how to play, but it shows you how to play. It shows you where you. where things go and why things go where they do. And clearly, we're in the minority because it's past seven hundred thousand dollars. It's go. approaching five thousand back as it. Has only got a week to go. Yeah. So get in quickly. So check that one out. Now, another game, Garth, that has been super popular and we haven't played it. No. But I'm, it may be one of the things that I'm looking to play soon, and that is Parks yep. by Keymaster Games. They have, of course, an expansion called Nightfall, plus there's also a little game called Parks Memories, which is a standalone matching game. Now, of course, you can buy the base game as well. Good. But, you know, I have seen a lot of popular, a lot of positive feedback about the game Parks. It's about, in case you didn't know, US National Parks. Now, right there, there's a re-theming opportunity, I think, because we've got some gorgeous National Parks, some of which haven't burnt down. Correct. So you can have that one for free, Keymaster. But, yeah, I think uh, this one's got 12 days to go. If you want to pick up the base game plus the expansion, um, 135 including shipping, which is not too bad, although, I mean, it's it's a, a game with gorgeous art. There's not a huge amount to it. So, again, I think we're suffering a bit from uh, the exchange rate. Well, look, the people who I've spoken with who have played this, a lot of them compare it to Kaido. Okay. So it's about this leisurely yeah. walk through the various parks and you play it because it's beautiful. I don't want to pay $130 for something that I think is beautiful yeah. when I can pay 200 for something that is beautiful and is a game that I know I will like and play. Okay. Um, now, Garth, you might not think this next game is beautiful, but a certain Mr. Leon Diceman does. Yep. Because he's backed it. He's not here to tell us. That as we look at it, the dollar signs are spinning <laughs> around. So this has only been up for... Today's its second day, 
and that is Marvel United. Now, I did talk about this in a news segment few episodes ago that it was coming, that it is basically a Marvel retheme of Arcadia Quest or Starcadia Quest, but has the Marvel theme. Not only does it have the Marvel theme, though, Garth, it has the gorgeous little chibi Marvel minis. Wow. You know, chibi Captain America, chibi Ultron, even chibi Hulk. He's so cute. Um, <laughs> and, of course, there's lots of stretch goals. There's been new characters stretched all the time. There's add-ons. You can get the whole Ultron, uh, not Ultron. Um, Thanos. His name? Thanos, he's the one, and the Power Glove story as an add-on. They are, look, it's gorgeous-looking art. It's gorgeous-looking minis. Simon, did I mention that? We, we know they can produce a gorgeous game. And they um, just have one pledge level, which makes it easy. You just pledge, and then you'll choose to that's buy right. the other bits that's and right. pieces. But your pledge is the game, a couple of exclusive Kickstarter things, and then every stretch goal that they get to. And Simon obviously has a pretty good reputation for hitting a lot of stretch now, goals. Now, if Leon was here, what he would point out is the stretch goals... So, you know, the add-in, Mockingbird. I only know her because I think she was on um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. So they're not... They're not the top tier. They're not your top tier. And obviously you've got the Hulk and Captain America and Captain Marvel uh, in the main game. Maybe Iron Man as well. But then Spider-Man is conspicuously absent, even though they've got Black Cat as one of the stretch goals. So clearly... There's lots. Well, there's so many heroes in the Marvel universe, but clearly there's some of the big name ones that aren't there. Of course, it's ripe for expansions. Yeah. Now this one, so it's ninety dollars plus shipping. That's Australian. The weird thing in this one is there's two levels of shipping to Australia. If you're in Victoria, New South Wales, or Queensland, you get one level of shipping. I think it's like eighteen to twenty-five dollars or something. If you're in the other states of Australia, and also listed under Australia is a little place called New Zealand, <laughs> they're quoting between 30 and 45 US dollars. Crikey. For shipping. When the game is 60 US. Yeah. So it does, the shipping adds quite a bit, but I've never seen this before where people have split half of Australia and another part, and it's not just geographically. It's like mm. the main eastern seaboard Maybe, I mean, look, maybe it's to do with their distribution. I don't know. It's really weird. But it is a gorgeous-looking game, and we'll get to see it because Leon has backed it. Excellent. We just have to wait a year and a half. Um, now, look, I've only, Next got, one? Yeah. I've, you know, I've only got a couple more before we run out of time. We've talked about this game. Mm -hmm. This game was actually my number seven game on my list of the top games for last year, and I think it was slightly higher on your I list. so. Um, that is QE, or Quantitative Easing, it's come back to Kickstarter combined with another game called On Tour, which is a roll and write game about a rock band touring around America. But you can just pledge for one or the other or both. The only thing they really have in common is they're both games that have dry erase markers there we and go. pens. Um, but they've both had rave reviews. And we, we haven't played On Tour, but we certainly loved QE. Loved QE. Um, now, this one only has seven days to go. And we talked about this during the show because you'd think we'd be going, yeah, it's a no-brainer to back this. The game itself, QE, it's only twenty-nine US. That's good. It's like forty bucks. Which is, you know, there's a bit of a bit of a smash again with the uh, exchange rate. But then the shipping to Australia, 
Like the shipping to you to America is four bucks. The shipping to Australia is pretty much the same cost as the game. Twenty four US, and this box would be lucky if it's the size of the lid of a shoebox. Yeah. It's it wouldn't really, be that big. No, it's really quite small. It's like if you've played the old school uh, fantasy flight line that had things like Citadels and Condottieri, those sort of small games, it's that size. Yeah. It's got a few dry erase boards and a couple of pens. So what do we work out? It's like 85, 90... It's, it's approaching 80 90 bucks. Australian. Yeah. So it's a game I love and will happily buy... But I'm not going to pay $80, yeah. $90 for a game that is worth half that, even though I know it'll hit the table quite a lot. Oh, it's a fantastic game. You don't, it doesn't take long. Anyway, yeah. scratching our heads at shipping. A couple it. more quick ones before we go. Um, Altered Carbon, the role-playing game. Now, this is the official, I must stress, the official tabletop role-playing game based on the hit neo-noir cyberpunk Netflix series and award-winning novel of the same name, which is Altered Carbon. Season 2 coming very shortly, and I'm looking forward to that because yeah. I did really enjoy the first season. This one has 19 days to go. It has raised over 300000 and it's only $37 for the PDF version. But, Garth, if you're feeling like you're flush of cash, mm. you can pledge... Up to $5,000. And if you pledge at the $5,000 level, you get to fly to LA, <laughs> take part in a photo shoot. That Those photos will then be used in the game, which would include you. Yep. And then you get to play the game with them there in LA. That I think that might then be shown as a video on YouTube or something. But $5,000 is a lot of money. Wow. Um, Two people have done it. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's um, only applicable to US backers, so they won't pay yeah, for your from Yeah, Hobart. exactly, unfortunately. Wow. But, um, look, as I said, it's produced in conjunction with the Netflix team that produced the TV show, although when you look at it, the art doesn't look like it stills from the TV show. It looks like it's drawn art. Yeah. So, interesting. Maybe it's just the licensing thing. I don't know. But, hey, Altered Carbon it was a great TV show. Could be a very interesting role-playing game. And finally, Grand Gamers Guild, who did the Artemis Project, um, which was one of our surprise hits at LFGS and Unplugged, they have got a little game called Gorinto. Mm -hmm. It just launched today on the 13th. So, this is the first day of the campaign. Um, it funded in four hours. Uh, so at the moment, it's made over 22,000. The target was only about 15,000 Australian. So it's already funded. Uh, they don't have stretch goals, no. which is quite interesting. But what it is, Gorinto is a Japanese memorial shrine, and its five tiers symbolise the five elements of wind, fire, water, earth, and nothing. The void. That's right, the void of nothing. Um, and you combine those five elements in an abstracty tile-laying way, uh, tile-stacking way, and, of course, it's very aesthetically pleasing by st with stacking all these different tiles. That's the main mechanic, yeah, I believe. Depending on, depending on which element you pick up, it allows you to either pick up 
all the tiles below the stack yeah. or all the tiles, oh, sorry, a tile orthogonally in each direction or all in a straight line. Each of the elements do a different yeah. thing. You're trying to construct your own little um, Garinto temple. Yeah, anyway, look, so Grand Gamers Guild, they have had a couple of successes. That's definitely worth a, a look, particularly if you're into the more abstract game. I think it's about 86 Australian, including shipping. There is a more deluxe version. Not that the tiles change, but some other bits and pieces do. So that's definitely worth checking out and said that one's got 20 days to go because it's just started. Garth... We're out of time. Yes, so another week comes to an end. We do have to thank you, Mark, for preparing all your Kickstarter Mm. stuff, me for just filling in the gaps, and LFG, of course, for their continuing support. Thank you very much. Go check out lfg-oz.com.au. And you can look forward to seeing us at LFG in Sydney and LFG Essen Unplugged later in the year in Canberra. So we're out of here. We've got to go play some games, and we will see you again next week. Bye. You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their flagship events, LFG Sydney and LFG Essen Unplugged, as well as their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.